Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we go on a Thursday. Lots going on, lots to talk about. Glad you're with us and letting us be part of your day. Hey, I want to start off by welcoming again K-O-E-L in Old Wine, Iowa. Good to have uh, you on board with us here on Adams on Agriculture and all those listeners uh, for K-O-E-L. We welcomed them a while back, but then the storms hit Iowa and a lot of damage done, and uh, they have been working hard to get things back and everything going on the air again. So it is good to be back now on KOEL and Old Wine, Iowa. Welcome aboard. Well, coming up today, we are going to talk about uh, all the budget issues and CFAP 2.0 and chances of another coronavirus aid package and what would be in it for agriculture. What about funding for ag inspectors? We'll talk about all that with Andrew Bailey Science and Technology Legal Counsel for the National Pork Producers Council. We're going to talk markets and this market rally and China buying and uh, prospects moving forward for the markets and big questions farmers may have, how much to sell, buy into, sell into this rally or hang on. We'll talk about that with Todd Holtman, DTN's lead analyst. And we'll get a harvest update from Illinois. David Erickson farms in the Quad Cities area. We'll get an update on how harvest is going there. All that coming up on today's program. But let's start it off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, good to talk with you. Certainly a lot going on. And we got so close, uh, kind of just right to the edge on this getting a, a bill to fund the government, keep it open. And agriculture was right in the middle of that, wasn't it? Uh, it certainly was. I'm a lot more relaxed today than I was the first few days of the week when I was really working 18 hours trying to figure out what was going on. But in the end, um, the, uh, the the House uh, leadership added uh, the provision so that there would be uninterrupted funding and flow of funds through the Commodity Credit Corporation uh, in exchange for the Republicans agreeing to uh, – uh, aid for uh, for children who are not getting their regular school meals and some other nutrition provisions. So it's I would say it's normal politicking. There's often this trade-off between agriculture and nutrition, and now both sides are satisfied. The House has passed the bill, and the Senate may actually take it up this week and le- and um, and leave town for the campaign trail. But is it, isn't it fair to say there's heightened scrutiny and even criticism of how USDA uses the funding that they have? Definitely. Uh, Senator Debbie Stabenow, the ranking Democrat on the Senate Agriculture Committee, is very upset that she believes that, that USDA continues to give more money per farmer to southern farmers. Um, Senator Grassley said he agrees with her about that, but he thought the the changes should have been made in the Farm Bill, not so much in in this program. Uh, But there is criticism of that. And then there's this lingering question of whether the Trump administration is going to try to help the oil industry to help the 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 companies that applied for those waivers from the renewable fuel standard and didn't and didn't get them. Now this bill blocks them from using the Commodity Credit Corporation. 
Um, but, the, you know, it sounds uh, from what Secretary Purdue said that the White House would still f like to find a way to help them uh, through some other program, not from USDA, but through some other part of the government. So USDA won't be using CCC funding for the oil industry. What remains to be seen is can they use it or will they use it to help the ethanol industry? Apparently not. Well, uh, uh, not at the present time. Uh, there's nothing in CFAP2 for, uh, for the ethanol plants, as, as I understand it. Uh, and, uh, of course, if they were to pass another coronavirus aid package that uh, has been proposed in there, also aid to the uh, pork producers uh, who had to kill their animals because they couldn't find a market for them. Uh, Secretary Purdue has said he doesn't have authority to 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 uh, uh, put, pay money to the producers if if they killed uh, animals that were were well that were not sick, and so both of those things still are hanging out there. There is also a debate, as there often is, but it's really heightened as well over the envi uh, the Endangered Species Act and proposed changes there. Uh, yes, that kind of hangs around. Uh, uh, that ha kind of hangs around all the time. Uh, uh, as far as I can tell, nothing will happen on that before the Congress leaves uh, leaves town for the campaign trail. Yep. So we'll keep an eye on that one. Are you hearing anything? Seeing any signs that Congress will approve another coronavirus aid package before the election? I'm not seeing any signs of that. There are no negotiations going on. Uh, both sides seem to have dug in. The Republicans saying um, they don't want anything but a very small package. The Democrats saying if it's a package that small, it won't help a lot of the people who, who have real needs. And I'm sure they think that, that without help that, that people will be uh, more inclined to vote Democratic. Um, so you know, Sec uh, Speaker Pelosi keeps saying she wants to do a deal, but as far as I know, there's nothing going on. Now, I will say that that uh, she and uh, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin did reach the deal on the continuing resolu resolution to fund the government through December 11th. So they have a good working relationship. Uh, the problem the Republicans have is that there are about, about 20 Republicans that don't want to vote for much more money. And so uh, Mnuchin can't really deliver that part of it. Uh, so that, that just remains m mired in, in conflict. There are a number of ag groups that have joined together calling for continued U.S. membership in the WTO. Is there uh, any strong movement for pulling out of the WTO? It's always, a lot of people critical of the WTO, but do you see any signs that we would be pulling out? Well, the, the only signs come from President Trump, who uh, is so critical of the WTO and sometimes questions whether it's worth, worth it for the United States to be a member in the organization. So I think that this letter that uh, went to Trade Representative Lighthizer and the, and the trade leaders on Capitol Hill um, is, is, is just a strong signal to the White House, uh, don't do this because U.S. agriculture has benefited a great deal from the more liberal trading atmosphere. You know, we export so much more than we did uh, uh, before the WTO and before this Uruguay round in the 80s that, that um, 
uh, really liberalized uh, trade, in, especially in agriculture. Yeah, that letter seems to be kind of a preemptive strike uh, in case there is a move or any attempt at moving against membership in the WTO. But that'll be another debate that'll be interesting to watch because there's there have been critics, certainly, of our membership in the WTO, questions about how good it is for us to be in there. So I'm sure that debate, which is not a new one, but I'm sure we'll hear it and see it uh, heat up uh, in the days ahead as well. All right, Jerry, lots going on. Thanks for being with us. You're welcome. Always happy to talk to your listeners. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Up next, we'll talk with the National Pork Producers Council about uh, these issues and also about funding for ag inspectors. That's next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. I spend a lot of time in the garage, but even more time in the rain, sleet, and mud. In 95, I helped tow your moving trailer. In 05, I helped you get out of a ditch. Yeah, I know I'm a bit rusty, and sadly in 09, it was sparks from me, your handy chains dragging behind your truck that accidentally started a wildfire. Sparks from dragging chains can start a wildfire. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we're joined now by Kurt Kavarik, Vice President, Federal Affairs for the National Biodiesel Board. When you got the confirmation that EPA is going to deny those gap year waivers to the renewable fuel standard, was it a sigh of relief or a celebration for you? Mike, well, I'm, I'm going to say it was close to a celebration for us. You know, we, we greatly appreciate and applaud this decision by the EPA to uh, put to bed this nonsense and absurdity that small refiners have been using to you know, undermine the renewable fuel standard and, and business certainty that was supposed to be created by this law. It shouldn't have been this hard. There should not have uh, needed to be this much work by you know, Senator Ernst and Senator Grassley and Governor Reynolds and others to convince the administration to simply do the right thing. This was a no-brainer, but at the end of the day, I think it is positive news. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. You may not realize how important three letters can be. For a patient who needs type A, B, or O blood, these letters can mean life. But there simply aren't enough people giving blood. Every two seconds, someone in the U.S. needs it. But only about 3% of the population donates. Without more donors, hospitals may not have the blood needed to save lives. That's why the American Red Cross needs people to help restore the A's, B's, and O's that are depleting each day. When you make your appointment to donate blood at redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types, you can help give strength to kids parents, and grandparents who face life and death challenges. From 
cancer patients to accident survivors waiting for critical surgeries, your generosity can give someone more life. Don't wait until the letters A, B, and O are missing from hospital shelves. You are the missing type patients need. Visit redcrossblood.org forward slash missing types or call 1-800-RED-CROSS to make your donation appointment today. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Andrew Bailey. National Pork Producers Council, Science and Technology Legal Council. Andrew, thank you for joining us. We have a lot going on here right now. Let's look from a from a pork industry perspective. Uh, what are your thoughts on CFAP 2.0? Um, well, CFAP 2.0, uh, it's a good term for it. Um, you know, we are we welcome any help uh, to the pork industry right now. You know, as you and I even have talked about in the past. Uh, the pork industry has suffered pretty severely due to the COVID pandemic. Um, and we weren't coming off, uh, you know, a pair of very good years uh, going into it. So, uh, you know, the $23 ahead for, for pork producers uh, for that, that timeline from April 16 to August 31 is it's welcome. Um, but obviously we would like to see more uh, going forward and, 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 and some, some issues we've been pushing for that, uh, that legislation has also pushed for, uh, you know, we're open to it. We're, we're happy to see it, but, you know, it doesn't go all the way. Specifically, what more would you like to see? What do you need? Um, well, you know, we've been pushing for quite some time. Uh, it was uh, there's language in the HEROES Act that the House passed and also in some legislation that Inhofe, uh, Senator Inhofe uh, had introduced in the Senate. Um, and, you know, they just recognize that hog values have plummeted. And producers have been forced to euthanize a large number of pigs. Um, you know, our industry is expected to lose about five billion this year, um, not just from the loss of pigs, um, but a lot of that was from from plant uh, shutdowns that had to happen due to COVID. Um, and so, you know, what we would like to see is compensation for the lost value of euthanized and donated hogs, um, included related costs, um, costs related to disposal, um, as well as you know, direct payments to hog farmers without a lot of the restrictions and and strings that have come with uh, some of the, the, the first round of CFAT payments. So you're looking for another COVID aid package for that? Um, yeah, we think that probably a, a COVID package would, would be needed to, to get any of this across the finish line. As I said, there's already, uh, but the House has already passed a bill, and a bill has been introduced in the Senate that addresses this, uh, uh, much of our priorities. Um, obviously, I think the odds of the COVID package passing in the very near term are extremely slim, um, especially with a lot of the excitement on the Hill over the last weekend. Um, but, you know, we're still working towards that and, and very hopeful. Yeah, it would seem it was already a, a, a heavy lift to get them to come together and work something out for another aid package. It just got heavier with the Supreme Court situation, certainly. We're talking with Andrew Bailey with the National Pork Producers Council. All right, Andrew, let's talk about another issue that uh, is very critical to all of, of uh, U.S. agriculture, and that is uh, funding for ag inspectors. Where does that stand? So, unfortunately, um, that was... Uh, Compensation for those, you know, uh, appropriations for the uh, Customs and Border Protection Ag inspectors was not included in the version of the continuing resolution that the House passed. 
Um, obviously, that still has to go to the Senate, um, and, and we're hoping that we can, uh, you know, mobilize producers, not just pork producers, but all ag producers, to contact their senators and say, uh, this is a this is an integral program. It's incredibly vital for American agriculture. Um, there's a $1 trillion ag industry in America, and our first line of defense to keep uh, foreign diseases and pests out are those ag inspectors. Um, and when that funding starts to dry up in the next couple of weeks, um, something's got to be done to keep them on the job and not furloughed. Um, so that's that's where we are on it right now. Um, I, I wish I had better news on that, but we're still fighting the good fight. Well, it is critical. I mean, we think of African swine fever, but a lot of other diseases, pests that are prevented from coming into this country because of the work of these ag inspectors. Absolutely. Um, you know, not just African swine fever on the livestock side, but, you know, things like foot and mouth disease can have billions and billions of dollars of, of impact, um, not just on, you know, uh, cattle and hog producers, but on the the feed producers, the, the farmers that grow the, the crops that go into the feed, um, if you had reduced need for that. Um, and that's not to say anything of the numerous plant diseases uh, and, and pests that are out there um, that could hinder, you know, domestic production as well as the exports. Um, that's why actually uh, last Friday we sent a letter over to the, um, the House and Senate appropriators as well as the Ag and Homeland Security Committees stressing how important this program is. Uh, how vital these inspectors are, um, and that was signed on by I think about 204 uh, state and national um, agricultural groups, trade groups, uh, shipping and transport groups. Um, you know, you had pork producers, cattlemen, farm bureaus, state co-ops. Um, pretty much everyone agrees from across the country that that something needs to be done. So, um, as said. We're uh, working hard and, and hopeful, but the, the window is closing pretty quickly uh, to keep those folks on the job. Which is really frustrating. I would think this would be an issue that would have bipartisan support in Congress. I mean, it affects the nation's food supply. I would think with all the political divisiveness and, and division and, and debate that goes on in this country, you would think they could come together on something like this. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, pretty much everyone we've talked to has been very supportive of this. Um, you know, on the Ag Committee and appropriators we've talked to, um, you know, just as we were talking about earlier, uh, this time of the year in an election year with the Supreme Court, it's just hard to cut through the noise um, and and get folks to, to pay attention or to, to move the needle on something like this. Um, uh, but, you know, as I said, every, everyone we've talked to has, has been supportive and agrees that it's important, um, even folks not from Ag districts or Ag states. It's just a uh, Actually, getting Congress to do something about it can can be really tough sometimes. Okay, now what is it they do? Do they have to do handle that specifically, a single item for that, or part of something a bigger a bill? So you know, obviously, our preference was that in the continuing resolution there would be money appropriated to keep those folks on the job for the next year. Uh, that's a six hundred thirty million dollar hole that the Department of Agriculture is looking at to fund that. Um, the CR was sort of our last chance to do it, honestly, I think, before the election, um, which, you know, between now and, and November uh, is, is, a good, is a good while. And we're not sure the funds – we're pretty sure the funds won't last that long. Um, but uh, we, we've spoken to House and Senate agricultural appropriators, uh, and, and they would like to handle it um, as it comes up in the, the ag approach bills. Uh, but, you know, 
but those are those are quite a ways away if they even get past this year. Um, and then, you know, we sort of have a last-ditch chance at the end of the year maybe if there was some sort of omnibus bill um, or if a fourth COVID package comes up uh, would also be a good time to address it. Uh, but all of those, those, those three are quite a ways away, and obviously our goal was, was to get this addressed in the continuing resolution. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's not any standalone legislation that addresses it. Uh, and I think probably the CR might be the last thing that uh, the last legislation that gets passed before the election. Um, so uh, it's a little late in the game to be trying to introduce that as well, unfortunately. Frustrating that something so important is is being put off like this and we're put at risk. I mean, if that funding dries up before they get around to 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 redoing it, what happens? Those inspectors come off the, uh, the job and we're left vulnerable? I mean, they won't all be off, will they? Or, or, or are we running that risk? So that's something we're trying to, uh, to sort out right now. Um, you know, it's not the user fees haven't completely stopped. They've just been, you know, dramatically diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, rough back of the napkin math is three quarters of them uh, essentially aren't coming anymore. And most of that is because international air travel um, has essentially stopped. Um, so, uh, it, you know, I'm not a former administrator, but I've talked to some former administrators and they think what would most likely happen is you'd have to go to furloughs of those employees. Um, and that can actually only last a certain amount of time, I believe statutorily until they have to do reduction force, which is actually, uh, essentially separating those employees entirely. Um, and you know, for the ag inspectors, that is, that is just an, just not something we can countenance. You know, a lot of these guys are highly trained, college educated, you know, in biology or a related field. Um, and it takes months and months to train them and get them ready for the job to say nothing of, you know, getting experience on the job and getting really good at it. Um, and, you know, furloughs and, and uh, firings is, is definitely not something we want to see. Um, but I, I assume that that is something that's on the table um, if that money just isn't there. Wow, it seems like it's a, a very high risk for something so very, very important to to uh, the what I would call a national defense issue, our protection of our food supply. All right, Andrew, thank you for the update. Hopefully we'll get some good news on that uh, soon, but uh, it does sound like it's going to be a, a huge challenge. Thank you for the update. Thank you, Mike. Andrew Bailey, National Pork Producers Council, Science and Technology Legal Council. So as of yet, Congress has not provided... Uh, the funding needed to uh, for our ag inspectors and uh, that money will be running out or running low soon and put us at risk there all right up next we'll take a look at markets been very interesting what's going on with sales today and markets and his outlook todd holtman with dtn gives us that next on aoa Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the ag industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Ag. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Ag. We hope to see you online. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. This week's grain export sales report from USDA showing good export totals for both corn and soybeans. For corn, sales totaling 2.14 million metric tons. Soybean sales 3.19 million tons, both exceeding trade expectations. The global corn harvest could be smaller than expected next year. That according to the International Grains Council on Thursday. That agency expecting a lower forecast for the global grain harvest. The dollar index traded on the Intercontinental Exchange has risen for five consecutive sessions. Some traders saying that's serving as a drag on grain prices. New cattle on feed report coming out on Friday afternoon. Quarterly hogs later today. An hour into the trading day, new crop November soybeans down 12 and a half at 10.02. January 10.05 and a half down 13 and a quarter. December corn down four at 364 and a half. March at 373 and a quarter down four and a quarter. Chicago wheat December contract four and a quarter higher at 553. Kansas City wheat December up two at 486 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat December up two at 535. Livestock at the Merck and live cattle futures October up 45 at 107.60. December up 45 at 111.65. Feeder cattle October up 22 at 141.75. October lean hogs steady at 69.50. Outside markets on Wall Street Dow up 50, S&P up 11, November crude up 16 cents. You're listening to AOA. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to separate. First, use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Raw meat should never touch food that won't be cooked. Then, always keep raw meat, poultry, seafood, and their juices away from other foods in the shopping cart. And store raw meat, poultry, and seafood in a container or on a plate in the fridge so juices won't drip on other foods. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Okay, let's talk markets with Todd Holtman, DTN lead analyst. All right, Todd, here here we are in harvest underway. Uh, we've had this 
bean rally up above $10. But if you get a day where China doesn't buy and the markets go down some, then the questions are, okay, is the rally over? Because some are thinking, hey, we're higher than and we thought we were going to be, especially at this time of year. Should we go ahead and, and sell into that? Or the way things are going, it seems like it was going up, up, up. Hang on a little longer. So what are you saying? Yeah, uh, I have to say uh, prices were so good last week. I'm very uh, tempted to say the rally's over. I think especially in corn, we could probably make a stronger case that uh, higher corn prices are going to be very tough to achieve with the the big harvest and ending stocks USDA is talking about this year. The uh, less confident projection here is for the soybean price because we do have a legitimate situation where these ending stocks are being drawn down lower. Uh, We still don't know, of course, the extent of China's demand this year. It's already surpassed our expectations. And uh, we've got a new South American crop uh, about to be planted and in a whole season of weather uncertainty there. So if there's any weather problem or hiccup in South America this year, these soybean supplies could get uh, extremely tight, and that's where it's hard to throw in the towel just yet on that. But for this move right now, uh, this is legitimate harvest pressure, and I think we've kind of uh, been wondering when it would come around. Yeah, so you're you're in that position where, hey, the price is higher than I thought I would get, so do you take it and be happy that it's higher than you thought, or there's always that yeah, but if I sell it now and it keeps going up, it's it's kind of the that age-old marketing question. Yeah, well, uh, here at DTN, we've been recommending scaling into these rallies uh, as as they've moved higher, and so I, I'm definitely in favor of at least getting started on your sales and and uh, getting that grain to the elevator. Uh, here is your harvesting because it's so rare that we have high price opportunities like this available at harvest time. And frankly, the less uh, you have to store, the better shape you're going to be in next year. Now, maybe you were the exception, but I'm, I haven't seen or found too many uh, market analysts who were predicting $10 beans in September back in July. Back in July? No, absolutely. Uh, I would have to say For the most part, the hot and dry weather uh, in August caught us all by surprise, and the the strength of the uh, export sales from China. We've been talking uh, throughout the year that China's sales would likely come in the fall, and um, we started getting bullish uh, hints of that in late July when we saw Brazil's soybean prices start to make new highs. That was just much earlier than usual for Brazil to run out of supplies this year and tipped us off that that China's demand was so strong that something unusual was happening here. So um, actually uh, a 460 million bushel uh, ending stocks estimate from USDA actually historically points to a cash soybean price in the $10 neighborhood. So uh, that part of it was not a shock, but I would say definitely the, uh, the weather in August was a surprise to almost all of us. Talking with DTN uh, lead analyst Todd Holtman, are we already setting uh, the stage for more soybean acres next year? Well, I certainly hope so because, frankly, we need a better uh, balance uh, also to help the corn market. We we can't keep uh, heavily planting corn and ignoring soybeans because we're starting to build some uh, extremely large corn surplus here. So we, we need a healthier market balance. I'm uh, certainly hoping that this uh, soybean price 
uh, hangs through to spring, and I, I don't see any reason at this point why it won't. The domestic prices in China are still very high. On the Dalian, uh, I just figured this morning, corn is still around $9 a bushel uh, equivalent in China, and soybeans are just under $18 a bushel. So that seems legitimately tight over there. I think that's definitely going to keep prices supported, until, at least until we know more about South America uh, early in 2021. You know, I've seen stories where China thinks their production is going to be up, but is that much of a factor? I mean, their their need is so great. We know they can't produce nearly enough to meet that no. need. Is that is that much of a factor at all? No, it really isn't. China is not one of the leading producers, as you say, and uh, they're in no position to supply for themselves. So it, it really, for soybeans, it comes down to Brazil and the U.S., and for corn, uh, the same two, plus throw in Argentina and Ukraine. So there's really a very few select regions that they are heavily dependent on. And, of course, right now with uh, Brazil basically out of corn and soybeans, we are the source of the moment. So I guess the question is, have they been buying out of need or buying to meet or come close to meeting the uh, commitments in the Phase 1 trade deal, or is it a combination of the two? Uh, It's a combination, and I'll throw in a third factor also. Uh, there, Mike. Uh, I I think uh, I don't want to neglect the trade agreement. I think perhaps they anticipated their needs when they signed that trade agreement earlier this year. The the needs are legitimate as far as we can tell from the domestic prices in the country. I think they are uh, seriously short some uh, major food supplies in their country. And the third factor is I think they're nervous about South America's production this year. We, We have a La Nina condition forecast that is a generally drier trend for southern Brazil and Argentina. And I, I think they see the writing on the wall that their demand is so strong right now. Any hiccup in South America, and, and they're going to have a very uh, tight supply situation in 2021. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We always keep an eye on uh, their weather there in South America, but even more so this year, I think, right? Because it's, the market's going to be so sensitive. If they had, certainly if they had a major problem, production-wise, that would really uh, be a market mover. Yes, and uh, I'll just throw in there, you know, it doesn't take a, a, a huge change in their production. If you consider the last, uh, in the last season, we had record corn and soybean crops, and uh, yet that, that demand just did not last very long in light of uh, China's appetite. So mm-hmm. um, China's really uh, stressing the co- production capacity to the max lately. Yeah, we'll watch that closely. Now, let's focus on our harvest as we, uh, we're we just in the early stages of it now. But how do you see as these yield numbers start coming in, and not expected to be records, but expected to be pretty good, uh, how much of a, you know, how much pressure is that going to put on the market, to, you know, kind of putting a lid on this rally or, or, or taking us down? Yeah, I I think it'll keep our trading range somewhat sideways for the next month or two is how I see it. And uh, today's selling in uh, corn and beans, I think we're just getting started. I I drove down from South Dakota to Omaha last night, and uh, combines, of course, as you can imagine, were very active, and some elevators already starting to pile grain uh, on the ground. So we're just in the very initial phase of a big harvest. As you say, these are not record crops, but they are large. 
And uh, you just can't take in 14.9 billion bushels of corn without sitting on that price a little bit here. So uh, I, I, I expect basic trading ranges through the fall. I, I think our seasonal low is in. I don't think the lows that we made in early August are going to be threatened this fall. Uh, but uh, we will probably chop sideways here for a while. So what are you telling farmers about selling next year's crop? Well, uh, we, we started a little bit um, on the, uh, or excuse me, no, I take that back, Mike. Uh, I've been thinking about it, but I have not put out the word yet on corn. And uh, I was thinking very hard about it when that December corn price was down th- at around 390, but now it's backed off a bit. So uh, typically this is a little bit early uh, when we'd start selling corn yet, but uh, by January, sometime between now and January, we're definitely going to be looking for better new crop prices. Yep, something to be looking at for sure. What are you What are you hearing and seeing with the basis around the country? Uh, it's actually been fairly firm for corn. Uh, some of the ethanol bids have been doing better than we've seen earlier in the year. Uh, for soybeans, we're uh, on the national average, we're about fifty five, fifty six cents <laughs> under the futures board. That's better than average, but we've had two very tough years uh, where we were mired down in trade dispute with China. So um, the the basis for soybeans, I would say, um, disappoints me a bit, uh, quite frankly, given the amount of export activity we're seeing. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see that narrow up a little bit uh, as we get more into the winter months. Because we're hearing reports of, you know, some some premiums being offered to get some crops in earlier, uh, some farmers may be taking some out a little higher moisture than they normally would to take advantage or try to take advantage of some of those premiums. Yes, and uh, again, those kinds of opportunities at harvest time are rare, and uh, if, if you've got uh, good pricing situations like that in your local area, I'd sure uh, take a hard look at that because, uh, honestly, the, the less you have to store, the better off you're going to be. And what's that telling us, though, about the, the demand or that need for, for grain right now? Well, it's uh, overall, it's still very strong. Uh, and even though I'm a little bit disappointed with the soybean basis, th- this really, I think, is going to turn out to be one of our opportunities of the year. If things go well in South America is the other side of the coin. And if they do get weather, we know they're expanding production this year. They're their corn and bean prices are at four-year highs in terms of dollars per bushel. So they've got plenty of uh, incentive mm-hmm. to expand their production. And if they get help from weather, it's going to be tough to compete with. A lot to consider, a lot going on uh, right now. Todd, thanks a lot. Always appreciate your perspective. We look forward to talking to you again. Thank you, Mike. Todd Holtman, DTN Lead Analyst. Well, how is the harvest going In Illinois, we'll get a report from David Erickson. He farms near the Quad Cities. We'll find out how his harvest is going next on AOA. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. The Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council present the story of Cynthia and Ed. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, out of the blue, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. And uh, she didn't know whether she should go forward or, or turn or just stay at the stop sign. 
She wasn't even really sure where she was at. She was very concerned. It was very unsettling for her. It's important for you to talk to someone about it, to bring the family in on it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, I don't want you to worry or be afraid. I'll be there for you and we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? Wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you. Cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, we finally have confirmation of the decision to deny those gap year waivers to the renewable fuel standard. Joining us now is Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Your thoughts? It's an announcement from EPA that they are rejecting these gap year small refinery exemption petitions is is great news for the industry. It's a big step forward. And the best part about it is it's official. It's a final action. We don't have to wait for EPA to do anything else. You know, it's not a a commitment or a promise that something may happen. It it happened. The memo that came out from EPA yesterday, we believe, should put the nail in the coffin for these gap year waivers and, and hopefully put that big mess uh, that EPA created for itself behind us and, and we can get back to implementing the RFS and, and you know honoring the congressional intent with this program. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But 
it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, we continue with our Harvest 2020 reports. We go to Illinois, near the Quad Cities. David Erickson, thanks for joining us. When did you start? How much have you got done already? I knew you were going to ask that. I said I got to get to the field yesterday so I can tell Mike I did something. Uh, We just went to the field yesterday afternoon, uh, found some corn that was, uh, you know, the field averaging below 25, well, it's more like 23%. Um, so just, uh, started in our first 80 acres of corn, um, things in our area moving a little bit slow, Mike, just, uh, corn hasn't dried down as well. And, uh, soybeans are just starting some of the early, early varieties are just starting to get ready. You kind of thought at one point you might be going sooner than this, right? We did, um, that week though, um, around Labor Day though, uh, we got, uh, we were in areas fortunate enough, I guess, to say that we got a little over six inches of rain. And uh, that, while that helped put some finish on the, some beans that, you know, hadn't started to turn or hadn't turned much yet, it, uh, the rain with the cool weather that followed that rain kind of slowed things down for a while. So, uh, yeah, we're a, maybe a little bit behind, maybe um, normal, Mike, but still um, not in bad shape. So there were no premiums being offered enough to tempt you to go even earlier, huh? You know, uh, no, we're, we're about in the middle between the Illinois and the Mississippi River. And uh, it seems most of those premiums were at the processor uh, level. And we don't have processors that close other than the uh, ethanol plants. So the ethanol plants were... Um, you know, the basis is much better, much improved coming into the fold than what many might have thought. Uh, but no real big premiums and no uh, free drying, as I heard in some parts of, say, central Illinois. Now, of course, you knew all along we'd have $10 beans at harvest time, so you waited to, to sell, <laughs> right? Uh, how about I sold some, Mike? <laughs> um, he, when that market started getting above where you could net out more than $9, so we started to seriously think about starting some cash sales in that area. So we do have some soybeans sold. We um, are fortunate enough to have some sold over 10. Now the question is, uh, what really is this crop? And we, we may not know fast enough to be able to get all of them um, or a majority price over $10. So. We'll, we'll see how that goes. 
So you're just getting started, but what are your thoughts on both corn and soybean crops that you have this year? What are you thinking? Yeah, well, I, I've kind of said all along that we had some problems with our corn crop early. Um, the early earlier planting stuff in April uh, was good and went in in good conditions, but then, uh, you know, we had some cool wet weather in May, and uh, there are a few holes out here in the field. We also had a, a little bit of wind damage as well and um, some replant of stuff that was planted in May. Now, having said that, I think we're going to be a we could be actually a little bit lower uh, corn crop yield wise than what we were last year, um, even though in total our, our corn crop was planted later. So maybe an average crop, maybe just a tick under in place, Mike, depending on what uh, how you were affected by rains and cool weather in the spring. Soybeans, I think, are yet to be seen. I think, again, um, some replant hurts some May planted beans, but. Um, the soybeans look to be average right now, and we'll, we're kind of hoping for that. So, and you just got started, but uh, it looks like the forecast is going to give you plenty of opportunity. It's a pretty big window for harvest here right now. It does. That looks good. And I actually, this morning I heard somebody say he was actually looking forward to a potential frost next week to help. <laughs> mature and knock some leaves off some soybeans so we all have a different uh, approach on the weather it's a good thing we're not in charge of that but um i think yeah the window looks good here to get some harvest done as corn is surely going to continue to dry down here in the next uh, week or so i think we'll see more corn harvest activity in our area you're going to go today right yeah yeah it's going nice today um actually we had as much dew this morning as uh, we had uh, well, more more moisture from dew this morning than we had in, in several mornings in August when we really needed some rain. So uh, it was a little bit slow going even in corn to get started this morning. But, yeah, going nicely today. And the, and the corn field that we're in planted, uh, you know, April 23rd, I believe it was, and uh, right in that 195 to 205 range dry corn so nothing fantastic but certainly a, a good crop is storage going to be an issue i don't think so mike i think that uh in our area at least commercial storage has um, stepped up its game it appears it continues to be investment by farmers and on-farm storage as well and i think the crop because the base has got so good and and the end users were needing corn in particular as we were getting toward harvest uh, i think the, the storage cabinet's pretty empty i think uh storage shouldn't be a problem all right well we'll stay in touch as you get more done and you know be safe but uh, you better pick up the pace or, or dale haddon's going to be way ahead of you <laughs> i know he, he, as you know he's quick to tell you when he gets one step ahead and he's more than that right now so yeah we're uh we're looking forward to some good weather here to make harvest for the rest. All right. Take care, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks, David. All right. Thanks, Mike. Have a good day. All right. Illinois farmer David Erickson farms near the Quad Cities, just getting started with harvest. We'll continue in the days ahead with the harvest reports from around uh, the country and also keep you up to date on all these happenings in Washington, D.C., with the uh, the different programs that uh, 
are getting funded and which ones aren't getting funded. Keep track of all that. So uh, that'll wrap it up for today. Really appreciate you being with us. Again, good to have KOEL in Iowa with us as well. Be safe, everyone. Join us again tomorrow right here on AOA.